The Blevins Franks Report with Rob Kay of Blevins Franks Wealth Management. Well, it's time here on Riviera Radio to talk to Rob Kay. Good morning, Rob, and, um, well, Christmas around the corner. Christmas certainly is around the corner, Howard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a week to go, and uh, we'll all be digging into the uh, the Christmas turkey this time next week. So, yeah, everything, everything to look forward to. Anyway, so before we get 2022 done and dusted, as we're talking for a two-week sabbatical over the holiday period, now seems like an appropriate time to look back take stock of how the financial landscape has evolved this past year and then look forward to understanding what we should be mindful of in 2023. But first, looking back over 2022, what were the big news stories that caught your eye this past year? Well, that's that's actually quite difficult because 2022 has been quite a year for news. Arguably, the biggest story of the year has to be the, the, the war in the Ukraine. Back in January, I remember ironically mentioning that China, France, Russia, the United Kingdom and the USA, the five permanent members of the United Nations Security Council, had issued a rare joint statement affirming nuclear war could never be won and must never be fought. Then, just a couple of weeks later, Russian President Putin ordered his forces into Ukraine and began a full-scale invasion. Quite bizarre. 2022 will probably be remembered for being a year also that the world learned how to live with COVID-19. In January, the number of vaccinations administered worldwide exceeded 10 billion. But then in March, we learned the global death toll had also passed 6 million people. And then in April, the number of worldwide confirmed cases exceeded 500 million. In June, my attention was drawn to the end of, of the Whiskey War, which was a border bis- dispute between Denmark and Canada, over an island called Hans Island. That's been going on, the conflict that is, since 1978. And in 1984, Canadian soldiers elevated the conflict and provoked Denmark by planting a Canadian flag on the island, but also leaving a bottle of Canadian whiskey. The Danish Minister of Greenland Affairs then visited the island, removed the, the Canadian flag and left a Danish flag there with a bottle of snaps and a letter saying, Welcome to the Danish island. Then, for the next 38 years, the two countries then proceeded to take turns, planting their flags on the island and exchanging alcoholic beverages. Now, on June the 10th of this year, the Canadian and Danish governments agreed to settle the dispute and divide the island equally between the two countries. This obviously happened with the backdrop of Russia's invasion of the Ukraine. And it was meant to send a signal to other countries, Russia in particular, that territorial disputes can be resolved peacefully. September could go down as one of the most bizarre months in British history, and there have been quite a few over the years. On the 6th of September, after winning the Conservative Party leadership election, Liz Truss was appointed UK Prime Minister by Queen Elizabeth II, replacing Boris Johnson. Just two days later, Queen Elizabeth II then died at Balmoral Castle at the age of 96. Two days after that, on the 10th of September, at a ceremony at St James Palace, her son, Charles III, is proclaimed king. Now, the body of Queen Elizabeth II lay in state at Westminster Hall until the 19th of September, where hundreds of thousands of people filed past her coffin to pay their respects. The state funeral was then held in Westminster Abbey before her coffin was taken to Windsor Castle, where it was buried or interned with her husband, parents and sister in the King George VI Memorial Chapel. The funeral apparently was the most watched television event in world history. Now, 
after a 50-day tenure in number 10 and a disastrous mini-budget. Liz Truss then fell on her sword and resigned with the ignominium of being the shortest-serving UK Prime Minister ever. Truss was quickly replaced by the Conservatives with Rishi Sunak, who had subsequently attempted to keep a lower profile and, I would say, calm the UK political situation down, which is obviously very difficult to do given the current economic situation, which has been primarily fuelled by raging inflation, which takes us back to where we started the year, Howard, the Ukraine war and the carryover from the pandemic. Well, going back two years now, from the end of the Brexit transition period, has everything played out as expected? (laughs) Six and a half years on, Howard. Is the UK in a better position? Were the expectations of the British public were peddled really there? Personally, I I think the UK took a massive step into the unknown, but without really knowing what it was doing or what it was hoping to achieve beyond some vague independence ideology. After Boris won the December 2019 election with such a commanding landslide majority of 80 seats and the highest percentage of the votes since 1979 the UK voting public had given him carte blanche to do whatever he wanted. So as we all know, Brexit was his primary, and some would say only goal. So any hope Brexit wouldn't happen went up up in smoke on that day. On the 30th of December 2020, the UK signed the Trade and Cooperation Agreement with the EU, which was supposed to govern its future relationship. It was the conclusion of eight months of fractious negotiations. Two years on, It's easy to forget, but late in 2019, there was a real chance the UK would crash out of the European Union with no formal exit agreement. I suppose what we've got could be considered a bonus. There is supposed to be free trading, goods and limited mutual market access services, as well as cooperation mechanisms and transitional provisions for a range of areas. Two years on, the pandemic is still impacting Brexit simply because a lot of issues have not yet been addressed. There are still lots of bridges to cross, and as we're seeing on a daily basis, lots of people just haven't got their heads around the fact that Europe is a completely different place for Brits these days. Recently, there's been quite a lot of chatter about the UK rejoining European Union, or coming to some sort of agreement which would give give the UK a Norway type arrangement. Personally, I can't see that happening anytime soon, but it would certainly be a step in the right direction. Despite Britain's politicians being a laughingstock around the world, the UK still doesn't seem to have any appetite to change direction. There's also a great deal of animosity to the UK in Europe, so rejoining certainly wouldn't be without its challenges. Has the passage of time unearthed more financial planning implications? Yeah, well, what the Trade and Cooperation Agreement didn't include was the ability for UK financial services companies to continue passporting their services into the EU. UK-based advisors are therefore no longer authorised to give advice to an EU resident client. That said, although lots have conceded they are no longer able to advise, some still do, with what I would describe as horrific consequences. I recently came across the worst one I've seen this year. After five years... This particular couple I was speaking to are still paying UK income tax on their UK pensions. Their UK accountant told them their UK pensions are not taxable in France and to avoid French wealth tax, they've been told to gift shares in a UK company which would have given the UK recipient a 60% French gift tax bill. And why did they believe that they've been told by their UK accountant? 
because he's been their accountant for over 30 years and he's now more of a family friend. This post-Brexit situation just doesn't apply to accountants. It affects everyone providing advice from the UK to EU resident clients. Banks, stockbrokers, insurance companies, pension companies, IFAs, the list goes on and on. If you still use a UK-based financial advisor or service, you need to confirm that they can still legally provide you with regulated advice or if there are limitations. You could be returning to the UK for your ongoing advice. But even if you do, because you're a French resident, your advisor, your advisor's personal indemnity insurance might not cover you or the advisor. Investment portfolios have endured a volatile year. What was this caused by? The financial measures deployed during the pandemic or were there other factors at work? Yeah, if I, if I had to distill 2022 into one major event, it has to be the war. It created a supply shock which resulted in higher inflation and lower growth. Faced with much more persistent inflation than expected, central banks were forced to act and they had to aggressively raise interest rates. The war is clearly a human tragedy, but it's important for investors because they can't, be over, they can't overlook because it's the impact on the correlation between stocks and bonds that has been unprecedented. In fact, maybe the worst year for maybe over, over 90 years or for at least the past 20 years, a typical multi-asset portfolio has delivered strong risk-adjusted returns due to the low correlation between bonds and stocks with interest rates boosting returns. In 2022, this situation was seriously disturbed when the sole focus of central banks moved from supporting growth to the much more difficult task of supporting growth, but at the same time, balancing inflationary pressures. You might be thinking, well, that doesn't like, sound like too big a deal. But it was. It changed the, mic the microeconomic regime and forced a significant repricing of assets across the risk spectrum, which substantially impacts capital markets. As you said at the start of today's broadcast, inflation was probably the biggest financial news story of 2022, but should we be worried about it as we head into 2023? Uh, the, the situation I've just described are significant events heard, but, but the sudden spike in inflation may prove to be the biggest factor, both in terms of rationalising what has happened and the challenges we face going forward. The current level of inflation can't be attributed to one isolated issue or situation. It's the fallout or the consequence of various factors. A perfect storm, if you like. Governments around the world were forced to introduce policies to support their economies during the global financial crisis. Then the pandemic came along. Russia invaded Ukraine. And along the way, there were numerous other demands that created financial requirements, such as global warming, pollution and attitudinal changes. Policies such as quantitative easing pump money into the financial system so people can spend. This availability to spend creates demand, which is inflationary anyway. But that is made worse when the supply chain can't meet that demand. Supply chain issues, which started during the pandemic, have persisted and they were exacerbated by the Russian energy supply mess and China's 2022 zero-Covid policies. Worrying about something that never really solves the problem, Howard, if the issue is real and inflation is real, if we allow ourselves to be entirely exposed to it, we can't avoid the impacts of inflation, but we can take steps to minimise our exposure and therefore avoid the adverse implications. If we leave a chunk of cash sitting in a bank and hoping it will, uh, it will buy you in 2023 what it did in 2020, I'm sorry, but you're going to be sorely disappointed. 
Due to the various measures the European governments and central banks have deployed, inflation in the Eurozone did change course in November when it reduced from 10.6% to 10%. That said, we shouldn't forget, just 12 months ago, it was down at 4.4%. So do you see investment rates continuing to rise? Um, For the ninth time in consecutive months, the the Bank of England this week once again raised the UK base rate. It it now stands at well over 3%, when just 12 months ago it was down at 0.1%. Ahead of the announcement, the UK Chancellor of the Exchequer, Jeremy Hunt, warned inflation is enemy number one because it makes everyone poorer and it's vital we take the tough decisions needed to get inflation down so people's wages go further. Hunt said holding down your energy bills through price energy guarantees and implementing their inflation plan, should half inflation over the next 12 months. It remains to be seen if that target is achieved, but even if it is, it will still mean inflation is eating a 15% hole in our pockets in 2022 and 2023. Inflation across Europe has also eased slightly in November, but again it remains in double digits, fueled primarily by food prices and energy bills. The Baltic countries continue to be the hardest hit. Latvia, Latvia has experienced the highest level of inflation in the Eurozone at 21.7%, compared to just 7.4% a year ago. The sharpest drop in inflation was in Holland, where it eased to 11.2% in November, compared to 16.8% in October. From a strategic financial planning perspective, what are the priorities as we head into 2023? Um, well, for, for 20 minutes most Sunday mornings for the past 30 years, Howard, the, the Blevins Franks Report um, has been broadcast on Riviera Radio. I believe throughout that long period, we've communicated a consistent message. Knee-jerk reactions don't win the day. Jumping from one flavour of the month to, to the next invariably gets you nowhere. What works from a strategic financial planning perspective probably sounds very boring, and I'm sure I'm repeating myself, But if 2021 and 2022 have both separately and collectively shown us anything, it's the fact that we need a patient, disciplined, focused um, strategic financial planning strategy. We don't know what the best performing asset class will be next year. We haven't uh, at the start of any of the years during Blevins Frank's now quite long history. What Blevins Frank's are very, very good at is understanding a client's situation and tailoring a bespoke solution. But as important then making sure that solution remains appropriate through regular reviews. What we've seen over the past five years has strengthened our resolve to make sure we and therefore our clients remain ahead of the game so changes to the financial landscape or adverse periods as we have seen recently are manageable. The couple I mentioned earlier got things so wrong because they thought they knew the questions to ask. Five years on that thought has proved to be very very wrong. When they arrived in France They thought they simply needed to ask for a French accountant, which they did. What they didn't know was the French accountant would deal with what they presented to her. In the French accountant's defence, she didn't know that their UK pensions were still being taxed at source. In fact, she didn't even know about them because this couple's UK accountant had told them their UK pensions were not taxable in France because they are UK nationals and their pensions are UK pensions. For some bizarre reason, To avoid French succession rules, the UK property portfolios was transferred into a company which then exposed the assets to French wealth tax. And the solution, when that issue was identified, created a 60% gift tax liability. 
As we head towards 2023, if I could have one Christmas wish granted, it would be everyone looks at their financial situation from an overall perspective. Don't look at matters individually. Wealth impacts income, pensions impact succession. Just as two examples. So May 2023, you get yourself an overall strategic financial planning strategy. So finally, can you summarise your view of the financial landscape as the year draws to a close? Um, I'm, to be honest with you, Howard, I'm, I'm sure it'll be more of the same. This this world just has a knack of throwing up a storm just when we think we're sailing, sailing into clear, calmer waters. 2023 will arrive with lots of issues which we'll need to be dealt with, but that also gives us lots to talk about during the future broadcasts. A financial outlook for 2023 sounds like a great way to restart the broadcasts in the new year. As I said a little earlier, we don't know what the best performing asset class will be next year, but we do know we need our money to be working as hard for us as possible. And if we leave it languishing in bed, inflation and the economic environment will tear into it and those losses will be lost forever. As you mentioned at the top of the show, Howard, these brokers will be taking a short break over the Christmas holidays. Hopefully, Batteries Recharge will be back on Sunday the 8th of January with our usual mix of financial information, news and advice. If you'd like to address a spe- us to, uh, if you would like us to address a specific subject during a future broadcast, or you have a particular question, ping them to Riviera Radio at blevinsfranks.com. Now, apart from being closed on the special days over the Christmas and New Year period, our offices will remain open. So, if you'd like to talk to us, please call our Valbon or Monaco offices. The telephone number in Valbon is zero four nine three zero zero one seven eight zero. That's zero four nine three zero zero one seven eight zero. Or if you live in Monaco or visiting our Monaco office is more convenient for you, you can arrange a call or a meeting with one of our Monaco best partners by telephoning Monaco nine seven 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 five five seven four. That's nine seven 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 five five seven four. And if you'd like to know more about Blevins Franks or if it's easier to contact us via the website, simply direct your browser to www.blevinsfranks.com. So Howard. I'd like to finish by wishing you and all the Riviera Radio listeners a very Merry Christmas. Thank you for tuning in for another year and please accept my best wishes for a happy, healthy and safe new year. Many thanks and season greetings to all our listeners from me as well. Thank you. We'll talk in the new year. Have a great Christmas and new year, Howard. The Blevins Franks Report. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this program, contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493001780 or riviera at blevinsfranks.com. Are you buying, selling, or downsizing property? Talk to Blevins Franks about the tax implications. Besides capital gains and income tax, France imposes a wealth tax on real estate, and you need to plan ahead for succession tax. When moving country, are you better off selling as a French or UK resident? Blevins Franks offers expert advice and tax and estate planning solutions. Call 0493001780 or visit blevinsfranks.com.